where I play, as long as I go number one in the draft. From the Erie Otters, Connor McDavid. From the London Knights, Mitch Marner. From the Western Hockey League's Brandon Wheat Kings, Nolan Patrick. This is Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. He checks an enormous amount of boxes. Nobody in this draft did more with less. I absolutely love him. It's not his skills that anybody's concerned about. It's that playing attitude. And quite frankly, it's really poor. Speeding towards the future of the NHL. From the U.S. Development Program, Jacob Truba. From Faryastad of the Swedish Elite League, Jonas Brodin. From the Boston U Terriers, Brady Kachuk. He could play in the NHL next year. He's one of those guys. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there and welcome to episode 26 of season two here of Tracking the Draft with Craig Button, the director of scouting for TSN uh, and the vice president of scouting for Duckman's Domination in the UFHL. Uh, he's also the president of scouting for high-level scouting in the UFHL. Mr. Craig Button will be along very shortly. And this is a show where the stars of tomorrow are discovered and discussed. And uh, we've got some interesting players to chat about today. Two Swedes and an American, uh, a goaltender, a defenseman, and a forward. So lots to get into. And, and we're also going to discuss, discuss with Craig uh, some of the things that have happened in the uh, National Hockey League and some of the things that will be in the playoffs, rather, and some of the things that will be happening uh, at the draft in July. But here are the three prospects uh, who are NFTs in uh, the UFHL that we'll be discussing today. Jesper Wallstad is the uh, goaltender, the top-rated goaltender for the draft. High-level scouting, my wife owns that agency, and Craig is the president of scouting. $450 uh, high level paid for this NFT. And, and I was probably encouraging my wife to bid higher uh, because of the goaltending factor of uh, Jesper Wallstedt. He's he's really shot up the rankings in the last little while. Um, you know, at this time last year, people were talking about him not being uh, in the, the first round. Chaz Lucius is a forward with the U.S. program in the USHL. Prestige Worldwide has this NFT for $160, and he's a goal scorer. Uh, Craig is going to speak glowingly about how this guy gets the biscuit in the basket. And then we're racing back to Sweden for Anton Olsen, a defender with Malmo. Pipeline Prospects snagged this guy for $35, and as you're going to find out, this is a guy who is going to play an important role on an NHL team and a UFHL team at some point. May play um, uh, kind of above their weight, uh, may uh, outplay their expectations, but is going to be a very valuable player without being having those sexy numbers that uh, some of the players often have. Uh, Craig joins us courtesy of the UFHL hotline. Uh, check out www.uffsports.com to find out all the things in the ecosystem of fantasy sports and the blockchain that we have going. Huge uh, announcement today uh, with Block Asset, uh, who will be creating our NFTs. Uh, the announcements, um, it's in the next little while uh, from UFFS. 
I would compare it to, I don't know, this is going to be, this is dating myself, um, but for the older people out there of my generation, the younger people might not know what I'm talking about, but the announcements coming is going to be basically like a Casey Kasem hit parade. One number one hit after another, another big name. The amount of things that we have going on in this ecosystem is uh, just, it'll, it'll blow your mind. And you can get in now. Uh, Get in the game where you own the game. Check out uffsports.com. And Craig, thankfully, joins us on the UFHL hotline, the Ultimate Fantasy Hockey League. And this show is being proudly broadcast on the Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network, UFSN. Uh, Just like UFFS, we are growing. New shows are planned. Big things are happening. Bookmark the YouTube page. Keep checking back. You'll find out all the great shows. Uh, And if you think... You would make a good fit on our network with your own sports fantasy show. Any sport, daily, weekly, monthly. Send an email to UFSN at UFFsports.com. You can also follow uh, at UFS Network on Twitter. And uh, the DMs are certainly uh, open uh, for that. All right, uh, let's get to him now. He is the Director of Scouting for TSN, Mr. Craig Button. Here he is, the director of scouting for TSN, former GM of the Calgary Flames, and a Stanley Cup champion with the Dallas Stars. Plus, he's a sharp-dressed man with a heart of gold and a passion to match it, Craig Button. Craig, uh, the city that I am closest to is still in shock over that uh, house cleaning. And 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 by the way, I, I did offer to sweep the house for Trish uh, on uh, Monday night. And her being an Oilers fan, she didn't appreciate it very much. I don't know why. Five, she's always asking me to clean the house. And I decided to get the broom out after the Jets swept the Oilers. And she wasn't very happy. But uh, in all seriousness, when you look at that series, no question uh, about the depth. It was just not even close. So when you look at the MS- and Oilers and that top six you know if you're going to load up McDavid and Dreisaitl you need to give Ryan Nugent Hopkins more help is there help in the system that you think can step in next year and play in that top six and contribute okay I'm going to get to your questions but I cannot let this one go okay don't tell me you had to go into the closet to get the deal. When game four began, you were sitting there watching the game with Trish holding the broom. There is no way you were not holding the broom, ready to sweep the Oilers out of the playoffs as your beloved Jets, you know, were preparing for it. So, you know what, I I appreciate the, uh, you you know, the fact that you said, I'm going to have to clean the house, but you had that broom in your hands long before you decided to clean the house. (laughs) Yes, I I, I did, I did. I know. Okay, so now we talk about the the one. You 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 make a you make a great point, and you know we know how brilliant Connor McDavid is. We know how brilliant uh, Leon Drysital is, and and you know Ryan Nugent Hawkins is a is a really solid player. But you know three players cannot be relied upon to carry your offense, and the Edmonton Oilers and everybody knows this. It, it, it's not anything. It's not speculative. It's not opinion. 
when McDavid and Dreisaitl don't score, rarely do the Edmonton Oilers win. So right there, you're looking at too much on too few. And the brilliant, I mean, it's not just too, I mean, they deliver at such an exceptional rate that the Oilers are, are, are probably winning a lot of games on the backs of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl alone. But when you go up and you face really good teams, you know, two players and three players isn't, isn't nearly enough to, to compete successfully. You just, it's not, you're not going to be able to do it. So when you ask me now about what kind of help the Edmonton Oilers uh, can count upon, well, the first guy I'm going to look at is Dylan Holloway. I don't, I don't have any question that Dylan Holloway is ready for the National Hockey League. And I, I, I'm not one that's going to uh, sit and say, okay, he'll get 70 points or 50 points. I think that Dylan Holloway is, is ready to contribute at the NHL level. I think he understands, you know, uh, the different steps that he'll have to take. And as he goes through them, he's going to understand them better. But his skill, his power, his smarts, you know, he's right there. And, and, and that's great news for the Edmonton Oilers. Look at what happened this year with Jesse Pugliarvi coming back. You know, mm -hmm. a career that looked like it was clearly, uh, you know, when I say a career, a career in an Edmonton Oilers uniform that looked like it was clearly in jeopardy. He came back. Ken Holland and, and the Edmonton Oilers deserve massive credit because this was a player that was being failed by the Edmonton Oilers. Ken Holland and his group demonstrated how they could help a player be successful. So that, that's in place. Ryan McLeod, I thought Dave Tippett did a fantastic job of, of putting Ryan McLeod into a position that the Oilers have been developing him for. A third-line center role, fourth-line center role maybe to start. That's where, he, that's where he's going to be at his best. He's not a top-six forward. He's not a left-winger. He's not going to score goals. He's not going to produce offense. But, you know, as a really good third-line center, I think that Ryan can fill that. He's going to have growing pains like any other, any other young player. But his development, I think, was, was really, really important. Raphael Lavoie went over to Sweden, and I thought he had a really good season uh, playing in the All-Svenskin. The offensive confidence that he has – Went to Bakersfield, you know, got his feet wet at the at, at the American Hockey League level, and and I think that'll really help him. Do I think he's ready next year at the outset? No, I I think he needs a good 40, 50, maybe an entire season, 50 games, an entire season of the American Hockey League. But he's a natural goal scorer, and so now you don't all have to you don't have to put everything on on Kyler Yamamoto. And, you know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins can have some help. And, you know, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl can have some help. But these are players that are incubating at different stages of, of, their, of their careers now as youngsters. But I think Edmonton Oilers fans can count on those three players being in the lineup, all three of them, you know, at the beginning of the 2022-2023 season. And that's allowing Lavois. But Dylan Holloway and Ryan McLeod are going to be there right at the beginning next year. And, you know, I, you know when you look at the salary cap uh, challenges that uh, Ken Holland had, you, you got to take a chance on a Dominic Cahoon. He's not going to help you. you got to take a chance on potentially other players that could contribute a little bit of offense at a reasonable dollar. He, he, he tried that. But in the system, the Oilers have some who I feel are some really good players. And people might ask me, what about Tyler Benson? Not a top six forward. And do I think he's ready to come in and challenge for a spot? Yeah, I do. 
And now it's up to him to earn that spot and to come in and contribute in, 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 that, in that role that, that I call the 8 to 11 forward group. You know, because he's going to be a winger. He's not a center. And, you know, that's where you come in and try to show that you can contribute. All right, let's chat about the first NFT we are featuring today, and it's a goaltender, Jesper Wallstead, uh, Lulia of the SHL and High Level Scouting, of which you are the president of, uh, <laughs> won this player for $450. And and I'll be honest, every time uh, that day Trish asked me if, do you think we should bid again? I just said yes, because I was really excited about Jesper Wallstead. I got a little bit worried when I saw him in some of the original rankings, but this is a guy who was really... Uh, became a popular guy uh, and you know we're thinking at high level that uh, you know we can make a decent profit off of that Uh, the question I have is you have three goalies in the uh, top 32 of your rankings why is Jesper Wallstedt the highest ranked goaltender of the three well probably it would go it would be number one he's he I think he's got you know, the, the requisite athletic ability and everything. And, and when you look at uh, trying to project a goaltender to the NHL, it's not just the athletic ability and understanding the game. It's also the technical package that he brings to the game. And, and young goaltenders have to develop a technical package and they have to develop that part of their game. It's no different than pitching in baseball, Dean. You know, you could throw 98 miles an hour, but you have to learn how to pitch. You know, you, you, you can have a great, glove hand in goaltending but you have to learn how to goaltend and you know there's a there's a there's a lot of organizations that do a really good job in that regard and there's organizations that don't so when i look at jesper wallstad's athletic ability and 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 his acumen in the net he's also ahead technically and so when you look at him i'm not saying the other guys can't develop technically but you know, if you end up in the wrong organization, we talked about Jesse Pugliarvi. It wasn't that Jesse Pugliarvi, you can look and say, you know, that, that what, where he was picked and whatnot. But they put him, like the organization failed him. They failed him. And that, that happens with lots of players. And it certainly happens with goaltenders. So I think that the reason I have Wallstead ahead at this point in time and remember, scouting is never static. You always got to be evaluating over time and it's continuous. And, you know, you see a goaltender end up in a good situation and a good scenario, right? You go, okay, you know what? You know, maybe that guy in a prospect uh, uh, evaluation, you know, moves ahead a little bit. I'll give you two, two examples. Il- I- Igor Shesterkin and Ilya Sorokin. Shesterkin drafted by the Rangers, Sorokin drafted by the Islanders. Third, fourth round picks, uh, fourth by, I think Shesterkin was a fourth in Sorokin. So you looked at them and you said, okay, they got good ability. They got developed outside the NHL where they were ready to come into the NHL. So the NHL team had to, had to look, at, in this case, the Islanders and the Rangers had to count on somebody else to develop them, but they're benefiting from that development. And NHL teams, conversely, they also hurt goaltenders by not developing them. And that's going to happen. Just because you're, you're an NHL team doesn't mean you develop goaltenders properly. And there's lots of examples of that. And there will be more examples of that, unfortunately, for the young goaltenders. But for Jesper Wallstedt, you, at this point in time, because of his technical acumen and being a little bit more advanced, that gives him a better inside track to being able to uh, you know, be what I see him as capable of being. And that's a number one goaltender. I think Sebastian Kalsa 
and, and Benjamin Goudreau are bona fide number one goaltenders as, as potential. And I project them as that with the proper development. But development now becomes key. Indeed. And uh, the development is going to impact the the path that he has, depending on what team, how many goaltenders they have, uh, who they have uh, working with those goaltenders. But just, you know, and and people always say as a general rule, defensemen take longer to develop, goaltenders take longer. Well, I, I guess that's true, but there's always the outliers. Do you see the fact that he played in the SHL this year uh, that, you know, um, he could be a guy that could be fast-tracked and be ready earlier than maybe other goaltenders based on um, his maturity, his play, his development? Or or do you think this is a guy who, you know, might uh, make the move to North America, maybe spend some time in the American League and then apprentice and, and take that sort of path? What What do you think his path might be? It could be all of those things, Dean. Like, you know, again, like, I don't think it's a case of fast tracking or slow tracking or however you want to put it. I I think you look at where the goaltender is at in his development. What does he need? And certainly when you watch Jesper in the the SHL and perform really, really well, the SHL is a really good, strong, competitive league. So it's closer to the NHL. He's already demonstrating a capability to have success playing in, in, in a pro league that, that, that challenges goaltenders. So that's really, really important. I, I, I don't think you say, I, I don't think you lock in. You, you, you have a general path that you look at for any player and you say, okay, this is the development, developmental path that we want to put them on. But it, if that player shows that he, he, he can handle the challenges as he moves along that path, and is capable of, of, of moving to higher levels, then you move him to that level. Spencer Knight played at Boston College. He started game five in an elimination game for the Florida Panthers against the reigning Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. It, it, it's not because you're trying to fast track him. You're putting him in a spot because you go, he's shown that he can handle it and play at that level. Now, in the case of other goaltenders, they might not be ready. So just by fast tracking them is going to help them and just because you you might think that the best developmental path is you know you know as you point out this 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 and that some players get ahead of it and you have to recognize that as well yeah it has to be fluid for sure all right let's yes, move on yeah, to that's uh, a great word dean i just want to say that's a great word fluid yeah yeah it, it, exactly you, you, we we can't live in hard and fast rules of i'm never drafting a russian or i will not take a oh. czech republic player i mean those sort of <laughs> those sort of hard and fast rules get you fired pretty fast and uh, uh, they're a terrible mistake but let's talk about Chaz lucius uh, forward with the us program in the ushl prestige worldwide grabbed him for 160 and 13 goals, 5 assists in 12 games this year. From your first viewing of this player until your latest viewing, Craig, uh, what sort of improvement have you seen the most with Chaz? Well, I'll tell you this about Chaz. Chaz has had some challenge. Has had a real challenging year because of injuries. And, you know, but he, here's what I can tell you when you watch Chaz. He, he, he's got magic hands. He's got, he's got that ability to score that very few players have. He, he, he can score in, in so many different ways. And, and, and that makes him 
really, really difficult to defend because he, he can score off the rush. He can score from distance. He can score in tight. He can score off a pass. He can score on the backhand or the forehand. He, he's got this great ability, and it's a great ability, and top goal scorers have it, of being able to open up a goaltender. And when they open up a goaltender, they can slip it into the smallest of openings. And I think that that describes Chaz. And, you know, despite the fact that he didn't get an opportunity to play this year very much, he missed the U18 because of injury. You know, he'd had uh, some, some injury coming off of last season that prevented him, that only allowed him to play a very few games. But all I know is this about Chaz. When he plays, he's an elite goal scorer. Elite. And I know this. Scoring is really, really hard to do. And when you see somebody that can do it at the, at, at, at the exceptional level that Chaz Lucius does, you know what, bottom line is, that's a player you better uh, really, under, like really uh, know, really understand what he can add to your team and, and then say, okay, is this the player we want? I'll be straightforward with you. Uh, on my top 32 list, I've already evaluated it. I'm already evaluating this because I'm talking myself out of things. He needs to go higher on my list. I, I, I cannot ignore the fact that I project him as, as one of the elite goal scorers in this draft. That is great to hear. Uh, and he is all Minnesota uh, through and through. He's boy, he grew up in Minnesota. I, I, I watched and called goals of his at the Brick Invitational when he played for uh, Team Minnesota, and he's going to the University of Minnesota. So that's going to give him that time to develop that maybe he, he missed this year. Uh, All-around great score. I was going to ask you if there's a typical goal, but obviously he keeps defenders on their toes. Um, yes. what's, what's something that uh, he will work on at Minnesota and develop and, and improve uh, in his aspect right now? What's something that you see, you know, going into Minnesota and coming out of Minnesota will be better? Yeah, and, and, and you know what? He, 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 he's on his toes and he keeps defensemen on their heels. <laughs> mm, Just, uh, mm. You know, because, because one of the things, and, and, and I say this about Chaz, is that, you know, when you have to defend them in multiple ways, it becomes a real significant uh, uh, advantage uh, for... Uh, for him because now when he can, when he can score off a shot when he can score off a deke when he when, when he gains body leverage on you it becomes really really challenging to defend against him and now it's not just say take this away from him because he has so many uh, he has he, he has so many weapons in his arsenal to take advantage like what, what i and i'm a big believer that you know when you're trying to develop and you, you need to go and Part of development is not just physical, it's mental, it's emotional. But when you have an opportunity to go, and, and in the case of Chaz, because of the injuries the last year and not playing as much, he, he can just go and, and play at the University of Minnesota and, 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 and allow everything to progress normally and naturally. And at the same time, develop, continue to develop those skills and, and become a dominant player. Become a dominant, dominant player. And nobody I, I i am on this all the time why would you leave college if you haven't dominated college to go and play in a harder league too many mm -hmm. players are, are leave too many players even junior you know they and not so much junior because players have, have really excelled but i see so many players leave college that haven't had very like any level of dominance and they think they're going to go to the nhl and 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 be able to have success so I think for Chaz, 
be patient. Be patient with yourself, be patient with your body and build that confidence level. And, you know, if, if you do that, I think he's got a real great chance to be able to bring that elite scoring ability to the NHL team that drafts him. Uh, we'll be watching for that for sure. Craig joins us courtesy of the UFHL hotline. Scouting is a huge part of the platform. Lifeblood of the franchises in the Ultimate Fantasy Hockey League. All free agents go through a scout. All prospects go through a scout. And these are just uh, not just players. They're NFTs. Uh, and uh, there are so many big things coming with this platform. Uh, big announcements in the next couple of weeks. So check it out. Uh, UFFsports.com You can find all the information Read the white paper there and uh, get in on something on the uh, the ground floor. We are uh, we're building something very special, and uh, we're we're very appreciative that uh, Craig, uh, you are involved with us uh, uh, in this uh, venture. Uh, not only as vice president of scouting with Duckman's Domination, but the president of scouting with High Level. And and that brings me to kind of this question about um, drafting uh, for need versus taking the best player available in 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 the fantasy game. Game, it, it might be a little bit different. Um, you know, at, at what point do you draft for need in the NHL, or do you ever? If you have the first overall pick, do you have more of a selection of looking at we need a defenseman over a forward? What is your thought process on the draft for need versus best player available? Uh, a debate, I guess it is. Well, I don't know if there's debate uh, with respect to the overall overarching philosophical question. So, what I, so how I'll answer this in this regard. You're drafting 17 and 18-year-old players. 17 and 18-year-old players. And if, if what you need today is going to be uh, put into the hands of a 17 or 18-year-old player by the time he turns in the NHL, you're talking about one of two things. You're talking about an exceptional, exceptional player. Okay? And in that case... That would be Connor McDavid, it would be Mayor Lemieux, it would be Sidney Crosby, right? But you, when you're looking at best player available, how the hell do you know who the best player available is at 17 and 18? I, I, I'll go back. I'll go, I'll go back to the, to the 2012 NHL draft. The NHL 2012 NHL draft, Neil Yakupov went one. And... Nobody raised an eyebrow. I mean, Neil Yakupov was was a really, really good player. He was an elite junior player. And you, you go through that draft. There was eight defensemen drafted in the top ten picks. You know, Yakupov and uh, Alex Galchenyuk were the only two forwards at one and three that, that went in that draft. Ryan Murray went two. <laughs> Griffin Reinhardt went four. Morgan Riley went five. Okay? So the best player. In that draft was the guy picked 19th, Andre Vasilevsky. He was the best player in that draft. So the idea of best player available, I, I hear it all the time, Dean. It, it, it's a fallacy. It, it doesn't exist. What you have to look at at 17 with 17 and 18-year-old players is, okay, what are the skills they possess? What, 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 what translates to the NHL? What's their developmental path? You know, what do they need to, to learn? What, what are developmental weaknesses as opposed to what may be inherent weaknesses? Projecting what type of player that guy can be. That's what you're doing with a 17 and 18 year old player. And if you're taking that player and saying, oh, we need a defenseman 
right now or we need a center right now and so we're going to draft this guy it, it, it's backwards and and it's flawed and now you ask me if you look at a player and now this comes to if i have a choice between two players that that i that i rate relatively equally and rank relatively equally but i look at a player and i go well i project him three years before he can play in the nhl but i look at a player and i say well this player might be more ready in a year right i'm going to take the player that i project as being more ready but i'm not going to project a player that's more ready over the opportunity to address a, a, a draft a player with much better potential so that's how i would address the need versus best player available best player available Dean, I, I, it's draft time, so I get a chance to, to, to spew this at every turn, and, and I'm happy to do it. If, if somebody can come up and say that the player, this is the best player, this is the next best player, this is the next best player, this is the next best player, this, the, the, the so-called best player available argument, there's two things that are going to happen. Number one, you are going to be squirreled away into hiding. And nobody is going to know who you are or what you are in any way, shape, or form. And you are going to make a ton of money. Because if you're the person that can go through a 17 and 8-year-old draft and say who the best player available is, I can, t I can guarantee you that. So dispel the best player available thing. It doesn't exist. Understand what players offer, what you like, what you want, and understand in the vast majority of cases you're looking three, four years down the road. Mm. Here, I'll use this example uh, that, that I thought of as you were talking. I was at the 2011 draft in Minnesota. I was there covering okay. it for Global Edmonton because the Oilers had so many first-round picks. Ryan Nugent Hopkins went first overall. Uh, you know me. I'm a big Jets guy. When Kevin Sheveldayoff went up and announced that they were taking Mark Shifley, I was like, hmm, I don't hate it. I'm not terribly excited. I'll ask you, who would you rather have on your team right now? Mark Shifley or Ryan Nugent Hopkins? That's a pretty much a no-brainer. So a lot of things change over time, and development has a lot to do with it. Pretty much a no-brainer? <laughs> just, just, just in case, leaving it out there for you. <laughs> I don't believe in absolutes, but I mean, this is an absolute. I, I should say I don't believe, but uh, you, you've got to be. Mm. This is an absolute no-brainer. You mm. know what's funny, Dean? I'll tell you about. I'll tell you a little story about that draft. So, uh, you know, I was working for TSN. I working for TSN at the draft. So, in our draft meeting ahead of time uh, that day. We were talking, is there anybody that might slip into the top 10 that we're not considering? And I mentioned uh, Mark Scheifele. And it was not supported really much. And, and, and it's, not, it's not so much that, that, that it was like uh, people were opposed to it in a, in a way that, uh, you know, you go, geez, really? It was more like, like, you know, I really felt that he could be a guy. Now, let me qualify for that. Like when I do a mock draft or I do my, I don't know who teams are drafting. I don't know. And a lot of people say, no, I don't. I look at a player and I say, okay, this could be a nice fit. And I try to rationalize it. And when I do my draft ratings, it's all about potential. So, I, But I thought that Mark Shifley might have an opportunity to slip in the top 10. It wasn't supported and, and there was nothing wrong with that. When Mark Shifley won seventh overall, Steve Dryden, the senior managing editor of TSN, who does all things, manages all things hockey, right? He goes, what did you know? I said, I didn't know anything. 
I just thought that based on where Mark Sharfley was at, that he might be a candidate to slip into the top 10. So there you are. And, 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 and unfortunately, here's what happens. And we hear a lot about these players. So now a player like Mark Shifley gets drafted and the fans are going, oh, Mark Shifley, that's a surprise. Mm-hmm. Surprise to who? You know, one of the things that you'll never hear me say, they went off the board. Went off the board? They're the ones with the board. Their board is the only board that matters. What do you mean they went off the board? Did they go off in your board? Your right. board doesn't matter. <laughs> so, but but this is the public sphere, and this is what they – doesn't work that way. And, and let me tell you a quick story about, about Mark Shifley. And the late Dale Howard Chuck, the late great Dale Howard Chuck coach Mark Shifley. The Barry Colts were a really bad team, a really, really bad team. And it was it was their last game of the season. And they were going to play Mississauga. Now, Mississauga that year was going to the Memorial Cup. They were a top team uh, in the OHL. And it was a Sunday afternoon. And I said, uh, I'm, I'm debating, should I go see Mark Shifley? I'm going like, you know, I'm thinking, oh, last game of the season. You know, the team's terrible. They're playing Mississauga. I said, what am I doing at two o'clock? And this is good. I go to the game and I'll tell you right then and there, right. And, and I'd seen Mark play and I'd watch him develop, but it was right then and there. It was a three, two win for Mississauga. And you would not have known that that was a bottom feeding team in, in Barry, the worst mm. team in the OHL that year. You watched Mark Shifley play and you watched him take on the challenges and the way he played. And you said, well, okay, this guy's real. And then he went to the under 18 tournament and was and was outstanding. So it, it was those things that, that that led you along that path to say, hey, this guy is is that good and and everything that goes with it. Beautiful stuff. And and you're right, uh, coached very well by the late uh, Dale Howarchuk. And you know, I, I it's the the Jets. Uh, Kevin Shevel day off in that Manitoba connection would have known Dale very well and got a, a perfect scouting report. Let's talk about Anton Olson <laughs> now. Uh, defenseman with uh, the Malmo Redhawks in the SHL. Pipeline prospects snagged this NFT for just $35 US and, and that could uh, come back in uh, score coin in abundance. Tell me about your first impression. What do you remember about the first time you watched Anton play? What stood out for you? Heady, heady, heady player, really uh, astute, you know, thinking ahead, you know, managing the game, playing, playing for the next play, not playing for this play, but also understanding where the next play was and real calm and real poised. And, you know, I'm going to give you the opportunity uh, just so you know, I mean, you asked me lots about what what are some of the things a player has to improve, and I'm never going to give you the his defensive play if he's a scoring forward. Oh, mm-hmm. he's got to get stronger. You're never going to get that crap from me. But at the end of this, when you ask me, you know, I'll be able to share some thoughts on him. But he handles the puck well. He he understands, you know, as a defenseman where the puck has to go to and where it needs to get to, to not only alleviate pressure when you're in the defensive zone, through the neutral zone, how you're going to attack, when you're in the offensive zone, how to open up the play and how to maneuver defenses around. I I love that headiness about him. I think he's got really, really good, strong hockey sense and a really, a real strong grasp of the game and a real significant understanding of how he can impact the game with his skill set. And I just see somebody that 
that, that with the with the real high end IQ, the real good passing ability, and and the really good understanding of the defensive zone is different than the neutral zone, and the neutral zone with the puck on offense is different than the neutral zone without the puck on defense, and the offensive zone has all kinds of different elements in it. I, I just see a really really good, strong, solid defenseman. You know, if you judge this guy on statistics, you're going to be disappointed and you're going to be doing a disservice to this uh, terrific player because, uh, you know, the the numbers aren't flashy. But I don't know why this name comes into my head so much right now, but I just keep thinking Matthias Ekholm, who didn't have a lot of sexy numbers, went later in the draft, and how many teams would like to have a guy like that? I have no idea if these guys are, are similar players, but Matthias Ekholm is a terrific player that didn't ever put up God numbers well i mean scouting would be really easy if just the gaudy <laughs> numbers translated to success in the nhl wouldn't it right, like, it'd, be really, right. it'd be really easy right and it would be just go okay the top scorers that's who's gonna i joke about this the nhl drafts players that are 50 goal scorers and 100 point producers in junior hockey they're not drafting five goal scorers and projecting them to be 40 goal scorers you're drafting the best so, but, but, but you can't just look at stats alone. The, 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 you know, you look at productivity and what does it lead to? And when I talk about Anton Olsen, I'm talking about a lot of parts of the game that are essential. So I, I think Matthias Ekholm is a really good, fair, and, and, and strong, comparable type of player for Anton Olsen. The other player that I think about when I, when I watch Anton is TJ Brody. And mm. TJ Brody's not flashy, but you watch him play the game and, and, and there's an incredible efficiency to his game. There's an incredible knowledge of, of how to manage the different situations. And that's what I see in Anton Olsen. So if you want to look, I mean, playing in the SHL, he, he played regular. He, he, he played regular as a 17-year-old. <laughs> okay. We're, we're, you're projecting to the NHL. You're already seeing what a player is capable of doing at a level that is really strong. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, and and we've talked about this a lot, Craig. Um, when you're drafting, you, you know, uh, an NHL team or a team in the UFHL, it's not just a, a an all star team. You are taking this guy is going to play in this pairing. It might not be the first pairing. You know, first round picks often end up uh, in the bottom six or the bottom pairings, but they're filling a specific, significant need. Not every player is going to be a top three or a top two. Uh, defensemen you need guys to fit in different spots and um, sometimes people get confused with first round picks having to be top three forwards or top two defensemen all the time okay i'm going to give you a couple examples and 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 i'm going back a little bit in time but that's okay because i think they're great examples the uh, edmonton oilers had three defensemen that won five cups and their names were kevin lowe randy Gregg, and charlie huddy yeah yeah Kevin, Kevin's a Hall of Famer, right? And and Randy Gregg and, and, and Charlie Huddy are not Hall of Famers. Just, just think about the, the three. The, yeah, they had Paul Coffey at one time, but Paul wasn't there for all five Stanley Cups. Those three defensemen were there for all five Stanley Cups. You know, you look to the Islanders. The Islanders had Dennis Potvin. He was a great player, just a great player. I mean, he was he won, one of the top players, you know, that ever played. But they had Kenny Morrow, and they had Thomas Johnson. 
you, you know, like, so, you know, and, and those guys were so good and so effective to, to what the Islanders wanted to do and what successful teams need to do, right? So I'm talking about multi-Stanley Cup champions, <laughs> right, that really come in and are so significant to the success of a team. There's no question in my mind that when you talk about the makeup of the team, you, be, you better be doing that and you better be understanding what players can do and, and how they can do it. Because when I describe Anton Olsen, I've described every area of the game, every yep. area of the game that I think is incredible. Do I think that Anton Olsen is a, is a top pair defenseman? Not necessarily. He might project to that in time. Right sure. now, I see him really as a solid number three. Could he get to a number two? Perhaps. But at the same stage of the game, I didn't see T.J. Brody at that. But T.J. Brody plays on a top pair with Morgan Riley in Toronto, and T.J. Brody's a terrific defenseman. Indeed. Awesome stuff, Craig, as uh, we get closer to the uh, NHL draft. You didn't ask uh, me about what Anton Olsen has to improve upon. Oh, you're, you're right. You gave me the opening, and, and I did it. Uh, so Anton Olsen does all these great things, Craig. Is there anything he could improve upon? The only thing I want to see him really work on is his pace of play. You know when okay. you think the game so well and you think it ahead at times, right? Sometimes you it, it, the NHL requires you not only to think the game well, but to think it at, 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 a, at, at a rapid pace and, and, and process. He processes really well, and he's, I think he's got excellent hockey sense. I, just, I want to see his pace of play get up, and I think that's developmental. Mm -hmm. But that would be the one thing with Anton that you're going to be looking to do if you, whoever drafts him, get that pace up going. And if he gets his pace of play going, he, he's got a chance to be a top pair defenseman in my view. Yeah, that comes with development, encouragement, and maturity, and, and, and gaining confidence, right? You get the encouragement from the coach that, yeah, we want you to pick up the pace. You can do it. And then the player realizes, I can do it. And as he matures physically, mentally, uh, and gets more comfortable and more confident, it becomes a natural part of his game. Absolutely. That's, a, I, that's exactly, uh, it's exactly as you just described. Perfect. Have a wonderful week, Craig. Uh, we're not in the playoffs, but some of our players are least into the playoffs, so at least we can make a little bit of playoff money, and then our real playoffs will happen at the uh, UFHL draft. So have yourself a terrific week, and uh, thanks for joining me. Building for future playoffs. It starts with scouting. This is a serious message. Craig Button joins us on the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports Hotline. Become a scout and make money while providing prospects to the Ultimate Franchise Hockey League. What'd you talk about, mister? Pay that man his money. I'm your huckleberry. Check out the details at www.uffsports.com. It's serious. I like it a lot. I said we gotta win it. UFFS, you own the game. Always fun talking with Craig Button, and in the next little while, uh, we are actually going to be doing Craig's Council, uh, where you'll be able to ask Craig some questions. Uh, he throws in some stories every once in a while, but he's got a lot of them. So whether it's a question about scouting a specific player, a position, or a story about his career, uh, we will do this uh, the second. So the NHL draft will happen. Uh, we'll recap the draft, and then our final show of the season will be story time and scouting tips. So if you have a question or something like that that you want to ask Craig, 
trackingthedraft at gmail.com is where you can get it to, and uh, we will uh, add it to the list of uh, topics that we have uh, already received uh, so far. So excellent stuff. Okay, I've talked about UFFS. Uh, there's the site. Uh, you can go to it. You can register as a fan. Uh, you can register as a scout. Uh, it's just, uh, I think it's 25 bucks to sign up as a scout, and then you start listing players if you can find them. Uh, if you're a staff member of a team, you want to be an owner, there's lots of different ways to uh, check that out. And I've told you about UFSN. Here's a little bit of our schedule. Huge announcements this Sunday on the UFFS podcast uh, with some partnerships. So we've got Two Minute Tuesday with Darren Bates. Uh, Tracking the Draft comes out uh, this show every Wednesday. Full Count Fantasy Baseball with myself and Jordan Blundell. And then UFHL Now uh, gets you up to date on the Ultimate Fantasy Hockey Leagues. And uh, we'll have shows about every one of our leagues. Uh, it's so huge. Uh, there's the YouTube channel where you can check it out. Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network and uh, some of the other cool things uh, that we have going on. And if you're into some different podcasts uh, or past episodes where we talked about different players of this show, check out podcastalley.ca. Uh, I have uh, Track in the Draft as uh, well as... Uh, a uh, whole bunch of other shows uh, right there that you can check out. Some are uh, active, some aren't, uh, but all of them have uh, some fun stuff uh, that, that you can enjoy uh, in the podcast variety. Okay, I hope you enjoyed the show. Obviously, big thanks to uh, Craig Button uh, for joining us on the program. Thanks to UFFS and UFSN uh, for their participation and uh, you, uh, the viewer and the listener. If you would like to become a part of the show as an advertiser, hit me up with an email, trackingthedraft at gmail.com. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, keep checking back to UFSN for more great programming, especially tune in to the UFFS podcast this Sunday where some huge announcements will be made. Thanks for tuning in. This has been Tracking the Draft with Craig Button, where the stars of tomorrow are discovered and discussed. For Craig Button, I'm Dean Millard. Have a great week in hockey. 